Hello, and welcome back to the My Entertainment World podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Bedard, and today we have another episode of our nominee interview series for you. Um, most of these interviews are up on the website, myentertainmentworld.ca, in written form, but anytime we have a group coming in, we'd rather give it to you in podcast form so that you can hear all of their interactions, hear the group dynamic, and also to spare our delightful transcribers the problem of having to differentiate six or seven different voices. So today we have a representative group of one of our most nominated indie productions for the year. Unit 102 Actors Companies uh, returned to the stage after a year away as they searched for a new space Um, was a production called Miss. It was their first new work in the company's history. Um, And so we sat down with the three stars of that show, uh, Nola Martin, Trevor Hayes, and Wayne Burns, as well as the director, David Lafontaine, the set designer slash assistant director, Adam Belanger, and the play Right, Michael Ross Albert. Um, so we, to talk about Miss and all of its many nominations, they have uh, two acting nominations, uh, Best Director, Best Production, and Set and Costume Design as well. Um, hope you enjoy the interview. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MyEntWorld, MyENTWorld. Um, check out the website, myentertainmentworld.ca, for the rest of the interview series, including a longer one-on-one interview with Nola and a joint interview with Adam and Lindsay Junkin, who is the costume designer, who unfortunately couldn't make it in for the group interview. Um, so they'll talk a little bit about Miss, and they're also nominated for Tough Juice. Um, so check all that stuff out, and I'll see you on the other side. Bye, guys. Amazing. Everything is on the record now. <laughs> There's no going back now. Okay. So, first we're just going to go around the table, introduce yourself and what you did on Miss, uh, so we get a sense of whose voice belongs to whose. Who? You go first, because you're on my left. Okay. Uh, I'm Adam Belanger. I was the set designer, as well as the assistant director. Mm-hmm. I'm Trevor Hayes. I played Gil. <laughs> I'm Nolan Martin. I played Laura. Uh, I'm Wayne Burns, and I was, um, what was my character? You were the, you were the child Tyler. Tyler. <laughs> I was Tyler Ward. Fitting Tyler. Yeah. He, uh, he misses the role Fitting. deeply. Yeah. Uh, I'm Michael Ross Albert, and I wrote the play. Yes. I'm David LaFontaine, and I directed the play. <laughs> okay. There you go. I love that when you, when you laugh after each one, it's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I doubted myself, actually. I don't know if I did play Gil, actually. <laughs> did I do it as well as I thought in my mind? <laughs> no impression. <laughs> okay, so you two are the only ones who have not done an interview with us before and or not doing one later today. So can you remember your first experience with theater, which is always my first question? Yes, I played Christopher Columbus in a uh, play at St. Andrews College in Nassau, Bahamas, and um, I discovered the New World. So that was my first experience at the age of six. It sounds made up. Did you say St. Andrews College? That's what sounds made up. No, it's not. It's not. It was was a private school in uh, Nassau, Bahamas. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Just, I was also there. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what was mine? Uh, I feel like the first kind of like theater thing I did was when I was like eight and I was like the lion in Wizard of Oz. I remember being terrified of having to sing. I remember like getting into it and like, I'm going to kill this. And then the teacher was like, so you have to sing this song. I was like, fuck no, (laughs) like I'm not doing this. And it was like painstaking getting up there because I'd never practiced it and then I like the show came and then I had to do it and everyone was just like waiting and I was just like I literally like mumbled the words and cried through the whole song 
and uh, that was that was that was the beginning of <laughs> you were the that. cowardly so, lion yeah, and then I just continue to cry in everything I do right? <laughs> <laughs> so Michael tell us about the origins of Miss and its early development uh, I, I was uh, I was getting ready to go to school one day um, and I saw I had the news on and I heard a news report um about a uh, a teacher that was uh, pregnant uh, who was breaking up a fight between two students and uh, miscarried and refuses to press charges. That was the entire story, and I just remember stopping, you know, and being like, "Oh wow, that's a play." And I kind of it's that it's I think it's the only time it's happened where I feel like I saw the play in its entirety in that. In that moment, I was like, "Oh, this is this is who it is." Um, and then I began writing it, uh, and I felt like I did. I didn't. I couldn't go there. Uh, I I was. Uh, the play deals with some very dark emotions. Um, I didn't really know how to. Th- like the 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 complicated relationships, the complicated emotions of miscarrying, of being in this failing relationship, of being a lost kid in this situation, all was very. Uh, it was a lot, and I did a lot of like shadow writing, uh, a lot of Tyler's monologue or essay, which he says, which he reads out loud in the towards the end of the play came from these like dark night writing sessions and I just didn't really feel like I was uh, in a good spot to do the characters justice and uh, it wasn't until a few years later where <laughs> I was on a Greyhound bus uh, coming uh, back to Canada from uh, uh, where the hell was I? Springfield, Massachusetts, and I had like twelve hours on this bus, and I got a really horrible email, and just like I was stuck in this terrible situation, with, you know, next to strangers, and I knew it was going to be hours before I could stretch my legs, and I just sort of thought, and I immediately thought of this play. And I felt like I maybe was in a spot where I was close enough to uh, what the characters are going through to do it justice. And I sat down and like finished it in a couple of days. And then uh, I brought it to I brought it to Dave uh, a few maybe like that maybe a few weeks later. It was pretty close to when I had just written it. And uh, we decide Unit One Hundred Two decided to um, uh, to workshop it. Uh, you guys hadn't done a, a new play before, so um, we we did a public reading of it. I at the time was running an indie theater company out of New York City, uh, and we submitted to Fringe NYC and got in. So we kind of decided that that fringe show would be this like a workshop uh, production to inform what would happen with Unit 102, which and we were going to do it in the in the fall. No, we were going to do it in winter in December, I think, of 2016. Now, yeah, that's right. 
I think it was something like that. And then we got the news that the theater was closing and kind of put the project on hiatus for a while. Um, And then when the assembly opened, uh, they asked if uh, this would be the inaugural production. I was very honored. And that is how it got onto the stage. (laughs) It's a long answer. It's going to be a long night. Um, Five words or less. <laughs> yeah, you're no one here now. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Does music start uh, playing? Is yeah. yeah. the signal that we're done? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the wine was a bad idea. <laughs> Never. I think a lot of it was just, uh, uh, well, one, not wanting to produce something that was an original piece because I had never done it, uh, never directed something that was, I mean, everything's original, but um, something from somebody I knew or uh, especially somebody from not only this country but this city. Uh, and it, Michael actually gave me two or three of his plays, and um, it resonated with me. Not necessarily the subject matter, but it felt like the plays that I had produced before. It had that feeling of um, there was a lot of parallels I could draw to like my favorite playwrights, who all happen to be like you know New York playwrights from like the seventies, eighties, and nineties. And there was there was things in it that just felt like that. But it was a new work, and it was Michael, and Michael and I had just really started to become really good friends, and it was one of these things where I think I had done a lot of um, heavy theater or long plays and kind of bigger productions, and I was like, this is one that, it's short, it's, um, it's not trying to make some big, massive political statement, although there's obviously a lot of things in it, and it just, I was like, yeah, this will be, be a shot, it'll just, you know, p- people will come, they'll sit, and then all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, it's over. Holy shit. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to do a play like that. How is the process different from working on a more established text? Different because you have the playwright, um, and I'd never had that before. Um, although Michael was pretty much... He was available, but also said, don't do what you're going to do with it. Um, but the process was kind of the same. I didn't really... I mean. I, I don't know. I, maybe even Adam, you could add to this, but it didn't feel like there was anything different doing this play other than every once in a while this guy would be in the room as opposed to like <laughs> Stephen Adley Gerges. He never showed up when we were rehearsing. Yeah, you know? no, I, uh, <laughs> you I, tried. I, I tried. I did try on Twitter. Yeah, I almost had him out. I almost had him out. We felt like we were close. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I agree. It felt it, like the same as any other Unit 102 show, yeah. which was great. And I think that's probably what. Michael wanted out of it, as opposed to interfere completely <laughs> and rewrite all the way along. I don't know. Or did you? Were you itching to? Uh, no, uh, I wasn't. I mean, I, I felt like, especially because it had a workshop and it had an, a, a production already, right, yeah. and we had had conversations that I, I wasn't. I, I didn't come in with an agenda or with with an idea to really change anything. Yeah. And knowing that it was in the hands of re, of of you know. Some of my favorite artists in this city. I think the, the biggest uh, thing that was different was that we were doing it in a theater that was being built yeah, around yeah. us. Yeah, that was <laughs> a different experience. That was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just remembering all that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm suppressed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dave, I do remember you like, um, like, well, one, like I remember us all having conversations about like 
where the beats were and like asking Michael to change things potentially. And then there was just one day where you were like, you know what? No, we're going to treat this like this. We don't have access to this playwright. Yeah. And we're going to make as much of this text as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yes, we have Michael here, but we don't want to change something. He obviously has thought this out. He's obviously done this. And I thought that was a really respectful way of dealing with a living playwright is going, it might not make sense to us right now in this moment as we're trying to figure it out, but we're going to value that text as if that is someone like Agurgis or a shepherd or something like that. We're like, you know, just treating Michael to be at that valued level is like, I think a testament to like David's kind of advocacy for the story, you know, of like, we're not going to change shit just because we have someone available to us. We're going to really try to mine for the truth with what we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So walk us through the casting process and why you went with each of these guys. Uh, well, very different reasons for everybody. And I mean, casting is an interesting thing. Um, the moment I read the play, I thought of Trevor. Um, and <laughs> In my role. <laughs> yes, I was too old. I, was too old. <laughs> I had to no, remind him I'm like, I'm, I'm five. <laughs> no, but I mean, outside of just like, you know, um, that you fit the... the the age range for it, but uh, mm-hmm. I'd worked with Trevor on another project, and um, the sensibilities of, of the character, I just knew that, there, well, I hoped that there would be something, um, it would be something that Trevor would want to do, and casting Trevor was, um, and I usually do this probably once with every production, where I just call somebody and I go, I'm going to do this, I would like you to do it with me, mm-hmm. and Trevor, within an hour I'd read the play and called him back and said I'm, I'm on board yeah um, and then we we did um, we did more of a a standard process for the other two roles we had um, we had, a, I had about 30 or 40 people come read for the different roles um, and it was a very difficult uh, decision but that's how um, that's how we found Wayne um, and and Nola I mean um, Nola came in a little bit later in the process but uh, it was through kind of the standard channels, even though Unit 102 has a, an ensemble of people who kind of have worked on shows before, it doesn't, we don't necessarily work in the where it's like, just because you're part of the company, you're going to get this part. Um, but a lot of times I'll, I'll start with this one and with most plays where I'm like, I see somebody I know very specifically in a role, and then I build the cast around that. So that's kind of how it fell, mm-hmm. fell in the place. So what did you first think when you read the, the part and the script? Well, like David said, I got the email saying, um, I'd like you to read this and see what you think and uh, wonder if you'd like to do it. And I read it right away. And I was just, uh, I just knew. Sometimes you just read something and, and there's nothing intellectual about it. You just kind of feel it. And I really felt this piece. I felt, and, and I've read subsequent works of Michael's and he's got a lot of feeling in his writing so I knew immediately that I wanted to do it and um, so I just said yes and uh, and we found out the dates and started going through the process but it was it was just automatic um, just considering the writing the writing's amazing uh, and uh, it it was automatic in terms of response to it what about you Wayne? Um, can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so enraptured. <laughs> it's my what dulcet tones. <laughs> what attracted you to the role and what did you think when you first read the script? Oh, um, well, like, one, I had known of Unit 102 very briefly. I'd seen the boat and I thought it was, like, fucking incredible. Like, I was, like, it was Adam set and I just thought it was, like... Oh, Lake Boat. Lake Boat, yeah. 
I don't know why I thought it was like, the boat. It was like the boat. Alistair. <laughs> it's because it was the star of the show. Yeah, it was like, my, that show might as well be called The Boat. Nice Everybody did a great job. Boat the yeah. Yeah. That like, boat. I live in Parkdale, so like when they were on their Dufferin Street location, like you know, like I was aware of it. Um, I didn't know anyone personally, uh, but it was so weird because mm-hmm. um, like our, our mutual friend Wes Berger, um, I was taking a class with one of my favorite teachers in the city, Stephanie Jones, and. Um, Wes saw, like, was, I don't even know why he was there that day, but he was just, like, in my class, my Meisner class, because he's normally in the older, or the inter- advanced class or whatever, and so I was doing, like, a scene, and then afterward he, like, was very creepy about it, he was like, yeah, you're really good, and I was like, oh, okay, thanks, and he was like, yeah, have you, like, you know, like, um, so do you know, like, that they're auditioning for this thing, and I was like, no, and I was like, no, cool, man, like, great, like, so weirded out, because, like, I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's, like, really coming on strong, and I'm like, I don't want what you're selling, like, you know, and then he was like, oh, yeah, no, like, they're, and I was like, cool, man, great, like, he was like, it's Unit 102, I was like, oh, sure, like, I've heard of them, like, neat, he was like, yeah, like, my friend Trevor, blah, 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 and I was like, oh, yeah, I know Trevor, like, because Trevor and I had worked together, like, yeah. a couple of years ago in this particular class and so like I was curious and so I went home and I was like maybe this guy has you know he's not just a weirdo sorry Wes <laughs> and um but yeah so I looked it up and like I noticed that the, like the posts were still there like I was like oh they might be still looking so then I uh I guess Wes had emailed Trevor and then like so it was like this like cacophony of emails where like I emailed being like hey Dave like I don't know if you're still doing this whatever blah and then it was like Dave responded Trevor responded Wes responded and I was like okay everyone wants me to go do this thing so then I like went and it was like this uh, I was like okay great awesome so I was coming in on the callback session it was funny because I was like I had went down to see Queen in Montreal the day before my audition so I was like on the bus like running stuff and I was like god this is like so much like the giant monologue and I thought I had to have it off the page and I was like panicking and like whatever but I like what I loved about it was this kind of uh, like in my own personal work I find like the complexities of masculinity especially as a young person is very very interesting to me and I thought the the, the monologue was what I auditioned with um, as well as uh, one of the scenes with um, Nola's character and um, the monologue for me just really resonated about being kind of um you know, like being someone who is ostracized or, you know, like having thoughts in your own head that you can't necessarily, you know, get out or not having the space or a potential kind of male figure in your life that is able to kind of help you transition into what manhood is or what society's concepts of manhood are. And so I really connected with that. And that was part of what I spoke about in my audition with David. Um, that's what really drew me to the role. But I remember like being very nervous because like, um, like, I didn't know anyone, but I also felt like as soon as I walked into the room and I saw Trevor, I was like, okay, well, like, someone's here and someone knows what I'm capable of, so whether I book this or not, I know that I'm kind of doing... Trevor at least knows what I'm capable of, and he wouldn't have vouched for me, like, to be here if he didn't think that I was worthy. So for me, like, it was this, like, beautiful moment where whether I booked it or not, I felt that I had went in and did good work for someone that knows what I'm capable of. So, I mean, it was, like, it was a really great organic experience for me, and then to kind of, like, have that follow through over into the room was great. Yeah, sorry. Now I used up all my words. (laughs) (laughs) You also got hired because you could do a 10-minute monologue in one minute. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about working with Dave as a director. Whoever wants to go first. Dun-dun-dun. Sure, yeah. I'd seen seen Dave's productions before with Unit 102, and I, I thought they were... And of Mice and Men, um, and Adam's work as well. And so I felt very confident going in. I always liked the work that he had presented on stage. Um, and working with Dave, I had directed Dave in, in a show uh, that we did at the Unit 
102 space, the one on Dufferin. And so there was already a familiarity with, with, uh, with David, the way he works. Um, and uh, it's, it's very easy, it's organic, it's, it's, but it's specific. So I felt, uh, I felt we were in good hands. And we had uh, quite a lengthy rehearsal time. So we were able to really take our time with it. Um, and, and I think that was a real benefit moving through the process. Anything to add? Um, yeah, I think like well, it was my first time working with Dave, so like uh, yeah, like I think in the um, I'm trying to think how many more ways can I compliment you? <laughs> Six at least. He's got Six. Great, He's got great hair. <laughs> um, yeah, like what I what I what I actually really appreciate about Dave is that like he especially with me maybe not with Nolan Trevor because he knows them but with me he was very quickly able to see what. Uh, my habits were. He's very quickly to go like, okay, this is what you've signed up for and this is what you need to get rid of in order for you to do what you signed up for. And because we were able to reach each other on a work level, because I am a hard worker and I respect Dave and the process that he was creating, I was able to go, okay, yeah, I need to put that aside. Um, but almost to what I, what I think is really great is that Dave is able to mediate the room. So I don't feel like egos ever really get... Um, they don't kind of, they're not welcome. That doesn't mean that like uh, people aren't able to voice their opinions, but I feel like Dave really is able to mitigate egos. Like there was a day with Noah and I where I got really frustrated and I got really emotional and my ego was, you know, targeting her. Um, but it was a way where uh, Dave was able to kind of like see through that and go like, I see where this pain or this emotion is coming from right now and we can talk about it. And that was, uh, it was kind of one of the first experiences as a professional that I felt actually heard and protected rather than just kind of pushed to my limit and forgotten about. Um, so I really appreciated that in the sense of, because we are dealing with emotions and we are dealing with really hard work, especially in this show. And so I think it's very important to have a director that's able to um, not be like toting his own image as much as trying to craft an actual story and trying to actually create um, like space for us to build something after he leaves you know? um, I don't know like I, that's sort of, yeah like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, Nola we talked a little, a little bit about this in your solo interview but was yeah. there anything you wanted to add about the rehearsal process and maybe about coming in a little bit late into it when everyone was already started going already um I don't know. Like I, I think I touched on it, but everyone was just so welcoming and warm, and it was just such a pu- like professional and easy room to walk into. Um, you know, it was just it was a treat, uh, and and it was everyone was there to sort of tell the story, and you can you could feel it in the room, and that's kind of I think the process that Dave always creates as well, mm-hmm. and Adam this time with assistant directing it. Um, so so we were always there, always there to serve the story, and so it. I don't know. It was it was. It was just a treat. It was a delight to work on. Um, and again, because everyone was so focused on really offering what they could to the production, it was, it was just it was great. It's a wonderful process. So, Adam, was this your first foray into directing? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely in theater, other than in school, with little assignments of direct this scene or you know, <laughs> you know, that was about it. And then you know, crappy student films and whatnot. But definitely, this was the first time. Um, which was uh, which was uh, sounds wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is me moving into the, into the upper part where I go. But this was great. 
um, no, I wanted to shadow Dave for a while and um, was kind of looking for a, the right time to do that. And this play seemed like it was good because of, as Dave described, it was this kind of quick, it wasn't as, I think we, the one we did before was probably of Mice and Men, is that right? Yeah, or, and that was like yeah, 11 just, actors and... Yeah, there's no way I'm going to so do many moving pieces. Yeah, that as my first, <laughs> you know, assisting him. So having just a three-hander, a one-hour, like, okay, even the set wasn't so complicated, so it's like, okay, we're just a classroom, we can do this. Um, so it was a perfect opportunity to jump in and, and shadow him, yeah, and it was fantastic. What were some of the big takeaways you had that you're going to carry with you into your next directing gig? Hmm. Um, Which will be his first directing gig, because he is going to direct a show. I'm not going to say what it is yet. No, so we haven't bought the rights yet. Cool, cool. Good yeah. parts. Good I parts know what it is. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Answer the question, Adam. We had some good days when Dave was away. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just, it's just us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I mean, as you know, the compliments that they gave Dave are definitely takeaways to to take with me. The way he's able to handle a room, how he talks to actors uh, separately and together, and is able to honor the story, um, are definitely you know definitely techniques that uh, I want to bring with me and, and try out on my own. You know, and of course, I'm going to find my own ways as well but uh, you know I, I felt very very fortunate to have him as a resource um, yeah not many people would have that sort of exposure that I've had <laughs> to be able to learn so tell us about the de- development and execution of those fight sequences especially in such a small space mm. improv every night I mean, well, we had like a great fight choreographer. Yeah, Jeff Hansen yes, came yeah, on board uh, mm-hmm. like early on in the process. I think when we were building the, the, the we could probably the, act circles around all of us. He's that guy. He's very. Yeah. Good. He's, he's a, a talented guy. guy all yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen a fight director like, when he kind of describes his idea yes. like perform it so well before <laughs> I was like oh is he an actor too because yeah. I wasn't sure he's a very good, he's a very good he's actor a really good <laughs> actor. it was amazing you yeah. need to see more I know I, I know I do <laughs> he supplied uh, me with my subtext yeah. the entire time you're looking at him yeah. you're going to do this yeah. and like it was it was yeah Jeff, yeah. Jeff was incredible Jeff yeah. was just very specific and uh, he gave us a lot of options to work with and then Wayne and I were able to kind of um take what he'd given us and kind of create something with David that, that we felt, you know, really worked for all of us and for the play. Well, and like, you know, not to fall into the trope of boys, but like, it is really fun to get beaten up every night. And like, it was so much fun to plan like the blood packets and like, when do I get punched <laughs> in the face? And like, you know, those things were really great. So once, I mean, like, I know at the beginning there was a lot of kind of like safety stuff because I'm very neurotic and I don't want to get hurt. Like, I've been hurt in fight scenes before because of just lack of preparation. So I was always on Trevor about like, okay, we're a little, like, a little shy tonight. Like, I was like very nervous, you know? But like, what's great is like Trevor and I had a great kind of dialogue every night about the fight. So every night it kind of got like, better and better and better because we were getting that much um, you know we were just getting more comfortable with each other because it really is a dance and, um, and so when you know where your partner's going and someone's not leading the whole thing and 
but it was um is your question just like how the fight was or like was it like I just really want to answer your questions properly. Um, yeah, it was it was good. It was a lot of fun. I like uh, again because of this unique experience. Like it was like one of the better fight experiences that I've had because it's just, it was so much fun and Jeff was really great and he did provide subtext for us and so it was really woven into the actual. Um, you know the character of what we were doing, so it, I feel like it perfectly aligned with my track of. We also we didn't want to see it coming, yeah. mm-hmm. which was one of the tricks to the play. Is you know if you see this coming, mm-hmm. um, so it, it, Michael and I discussed it because they had done it already in another show in a very specific way, and um, I don't even think I told you what we were doing. I just said this. Come come take a look at this. See what you think. Um, was so good. <laughs> I came. I, re- yeah. I watched it at a rehearsal and was just like, yeah, uh, floored. Well, it becomes uh, such an important narrative piece to it. Mm-hmm. So it had the. I think the thing that some people will forget is that the, the a fight sequence, whether it's a slap or a few hits or whatever it is, tends to tell its own story. Mm-hmm. Which was why Jeff was so great because he was like, "This is the story of the fight. Mm-hmm. This is why you're motivated to do each thing." Um, and yeah, so in a way we felt it was important, especially in a short play, to be like, we don't want to see this coming. Um, and also, when it happens, you don't you don't want it to be a shock value thing, um, but you want it to feel real. Mm-hmm. But it's also any sort of violence is violence. It's it should be somewhat shocking. We just didn't want it to be, it to be gratuitous. They wanted to for. We'll go to you know what the story was. And we've seen was. those shows where like the slap doesn't land, and you're like, no, I get what you were doing, but like. I think the, mm. the trickiest thing was uh, was the beginning of the fight because, as as Dave was saying, uh, mm-hmm. we don't want to see it coming, and that was the most uh, manicured moment of like so when stars. when to start it. You know, where does he need? He needs to be here, but he can't seem like he needs to be here. Yeah, he's waiting for it because he's also trying to get out of the room. Exactly, and but the fight needs to start without him being able to. Get out of the room. Yes, yeah, so yeah. like finding the emotional truth of that start of that fight and where mm-hmm. it begins and where the idea formulates and what the trigger is that sets it off. And that was once we had that, then it was just a question of. It took a while to get to that, though. It really it did. did. It, it took did. a while to get to that. Yeah, because yeah, we had to play into the scenes before and the. How you're analyzing each other, and where Trevor's character, are you feeling comfortable with one another? When is your guard down? Things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the movement and everything. Like we spent a lot of time just going over that, like final five to ten minutes of the play. Yeah, those last two pages. Yeah, the last pages. Yeah, that was it. Just like when do you touch me? When do you come in? When do we like? When are you turning around? When do I see the thing? Like Mm. all of those moments. I thought the fish was going to be the hardest part, but it was actually quite easy. We figured it out. Oh man! Before we even started rehearsing, yeah, we we worked on that fish so early (laughs) that we had. Oh, this is this is great. It was terrifying. We had this really angry audience member at a pre at our preview. Um, yeah, I, I, no, I shouldn't say who it was. This is a Toronto theater podcast. But she was like, she was so upset and was like, are you going to kill a fish every show? And we were like, no, the fish is alive. And we had to, to the point where we had to change the curtain. We built in the curtain call. call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, 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 to display, uh, that it's a trick. Fishbowl. We're in drowning cats on stage. <laughs> but still, some people did not get it. So we'd yeah. finish some shows and then 
somebody would have to go and explain the fish is alive. <laughs> yeah. One, because people yeah. are like, I can't believe they killed a fish. And then a lot of people <laughs> just <laughs> didn't care. Yeah. And some yeah. people didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. They they still Kill thought the it was real. They were fine with it. Yeah. That was the motion. Okay. <laughs> it's a commentary on society. Yeah. <laughs> so how did the fishbowl work? And also how did the window work? Well, the fishbowl works. I mean, Dave and I talked about this early on of um, the, the two-sided fishbowl was the idea of just having a, a, a divider in the middle of it with a fake fish just floating in one side and the real fish on the you know, audience side swimming around for the show. So all he had to do was stick his hand into the the back of it phony side phony side and spin it while he's struggling and then pull out the fish and then you'll see an empty bowl Mm -hmm. and during he's kind of blocking it too so during the struggle he's spinning it and uh, the audience can't see that the real fish is just sitting behind now backstage. The, yeah, real fish, fine. the real fish is still alive. Still alive. Yes. Yeah, I was talking to Michael the other day. Yeah, he's uh, our graphic designer. Adopted. Well, he purchased yeah. Little Gill. <laughs> and uh, everyone in the household kind of fell in love with him. So yeah, he took uh, care of him probably like, a, what, a, a month before the show? He had got... No, no um, Mike W. No, Michael. Yeah, um, we split the. He, yeah, he got the fish, fish about a month ahead and had taken care of it. So when we got the fish, we were ready for the fish. I don't know when. It's probably. I think it was like tech or something, yeah, yeah. and it was like okay, it came with instructions. This is what Gil like requires. <laughs> yeah, that was the uh, hardest part about the like, show. Came with it? a rider. Yeah, Little Gil had some good shows too. Yeah. There's some like sometimes just before the whole. Um, trick happened uh, he'd be so active yeah it's true and so there would just be this really moment where happy. I'm staring at the fish and the fish is kind of looking back at me and then the yeah. audience is like oh no <laughs> when, when Gil moved into the theater he was so unhappy. He was. I know. And we were really scared that he was going to poop all over the play and not make it. Well, poor Tech. Well, he seemed and then, and then as soon as he got in front of an audience. <laughs> yeah. I was getting messages from Marvin because he's, you know, any small concerns of anyone's are a massive concern to Marvin. <laughs> yeah. Who's the greatest yeah, stage yeah, manager of all time. Of course, way. the greatest stage manager of all time. And he, uh, so he was like, Adam, I think Gil's depressed. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. And he, well, he wasn't wrong, but we changed his water and he had to get, it was the new when bowl. When we put him in the new bowl, though, is when yeah. he started to get excited again. <laughs> exactly. It was too big, the, the other yeah, one. Yeah, they like small exactly. spaces. Yeah. This is, so, we're talking about a fish. We're all so attached But it was huge. Why is he here? It was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. He was, he was. Um, we cared. So that was the fish. And then the rain... Um, the rain, I went out and got a fountain pump and uh, just rigged a hose over the window and stabbed some holes in it and had a catch basin for the, the water to get pumped up to and then to fall into. He makes it sound like this, I know. this is all he did, but this... It was that is so, all I did. It is, it's but... Snaked that then there, is, there are so many small things that, that come up with it. He had to clock the window. And yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of troubleshooting. He's, yeah. He goes through. He, he's... Yeah, yeah. It's such a hard cool effect, it. though. Like it really brought the world. Yeah, yeah we had, we were able to throw out the sound effect, which is yeah. the great, the yes. best thing. It was, it was like, oh, actually, that yeah. sounds perfect. Yeah. Yeah. The rain hitting the tarp, which was just mm-hmm. catching it, yeah. <laughs> it was like amazing. Yeah, we'll just get rid of that. Yeah, 
So you talked a lot when you were talking about the fights about the idea of we can't see it coming. This is also applicable to like the big twist in the play, mm -hmm. which requires Wayne and Nola to kind of hide what's actually the reality of their chemistry. How did you guys approach playing your relationship but also not spoiling your relationship? Nola. Wayne. <laughs> um, I'm back to the process of how we, how we discuss that. Um... Well, there was lots of nice moments, um, because there was a couple of moments before it was revealed where we were left alone on stage two, and I think those are the moments that we kind of discussed the most about uh, the reality of the relationship and what we could show to the audience and what we didn't want to. But I think we were offered the gift as well of it being the first time that we had seen each other since a big incident. I don't want to ruin the entire script. Uh, a big incident. It's not that good. Have a, have a, have a, <laughs> uh, uh, so there was a lot of um, checking boundaries within those scenes to begin with anyways. Uh, so it wasn't like we were meant to... I'm going to ruin it, run, to be running into each other's arms at that point mm -hmm. to begin with. So uh, that within the script actually offered a little bit of distance, which made made the scenes a little bit easier, um, at least in terms of for me looking at them. And, uh, and, and I think knowing what the stakes were also as the characters uh, being confronted with this issue... Everyone was aware of what was happening in the room, so the characters knew they needed to cover. So until everything came out, uh, the reality of the situation, which again was built into the script, really offered kind of definitive lines of how far things could go before it was too much. So I think as long as we honored the reality of the situation, uh, that, that's kind of where we, we found the lines for the, for the characters. Yeah, I mean, like, I remember, like, um, like silence being really important for yeah. us. Like, there was a lot of... I feel like the best shows, for me, were when, like, the pauses were, like, nine months pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, where we were just, like, <laughs> sitting. Where, like, I, the actor, was like, oh my god, this is so long. But then, like, as Tyler was like, I do not know when to speak right now. Mm -hmm. um, so, though I feel like those were the... Those said so much about our relationship. And also, like, to be quite frank, like... The relationship between Tyler and Laura is very dif difficult. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very difficult. She's a pedophile. So it's like, you know, but I'm in love with her. So it's like, it's a very difficult thing to be navigating in a public place. So I think, like, you know, realistically, we did our very best to try to negotiate that as authentically as possible mm -hmm. while also still giving Laura as much humanity as possible because point blank she's a predator you know which yes. is hard it was a hard thing to do yeah but the relationship had also been finished at that stage as well mm -hmm. too so it was revisiting a relationship that, that we was both like, acknowledged was yeah. finished yeah so we were being sort of we, a lot Forced of stuff to put back into in something yeah. that we were both really unhappy with how it ended yeah you know it was um it was a really difficult thing to navigate which is why the silences were so important for us which is why the conversations are so important and why the emotions were riding so high for us, you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. for me, and, yeah. you know? Like, it was, it was a difficult thing to navigate, for sure. But I feel like Dave facilitated it really well and he was always open for the conversations that it was and mm -hmm. it's, it's morally really hard to wrap your brain around sometimes what that was. Mm -hmm. Well, and Nola, you were working, you were the only woman in the rehearsal room most of the time. Yes. 
how when you're dealing with such fraught subject matter you talked about it being a very safe room but was that something that was top of mind at all as having to sort of be the only female voice Mm. honestly not so much because I feel like I'm looked at as a we all are regarded on the same level in the room so I didn't feel another in the room I felt like a part of a team trying to again facilitate a story Um, I was aware of the character's perspective in the play. Um, So as an actor, no. As as a character and facilitating my character's story, yes. Um, Very aware that I was pinned between two very strong male characters that were both quite adolescent in (laughs) their actions at times. And and both were equal characters (laughs) at other times too, right? So they were very complex relationships. So in terms of the story, I wanted to honor a strong female character um, that was more of um, an anchor for these people than uh, a, a woman in despair. Uh, so I, I did clearly want to make sure that she was the, the strong character out of, out of the two, because uh, so often the female character is not. Uh, but beyond that, like in the room as an actor, I felt just just a part of the team and, and didn't ever feel like I needed to to argue for any point because everyone listened very clearly to our, you know, our needs as an actor and needs to facilitate story, so. So Lindsay Junkin couldn't make it in today because she's working on Jerusalem with company theater. Typical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Horrible. In her (laughs) let's talk a little bit about her nominated costume design and how that helped with the character development. She's the best. She's the best. She's the best. I'll I'll just say, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I, I've been lucky enough to do this for about eight years, um, produce theater, either acting or directing. But um, I met Lindsay a long time ago, around the same time when I met Adam. And I have pretty much, and Marvin, I must say, mm-hmm. I've pretty much worked exclusively with them. Um, so you guys can say whatever you want about her costumes, but the thing I love about working with Adam or Marvin or Lindsay or any of these people now as well is that um, the, just the trust. So it's I know I know she has a keen eye, and her art form is her art form. So as opposed to bringing somebody in and being like facilitate what I need to see, it's unsaid. She already sees what I see. And I know what she wants to do, and I, it's a. She it's, probably sees more. She probably sees more, and it's 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 one of those things where you're just like it's it's a comfort level to go. It doesn't matter what you do. I know it's gonna it's gonna work, and then sure enough, she's such a um, a stickler for detail, which I think I am, and Adam is as well. That I mean, man, you guys could have been wearing yellow costumes. They would have been the perfect yellow. Everybody would have been. She's just she's she's attention to detail, and she knows what she's doing, and she cares. Which is the biggest thing? She's she relentless cares. about. She's what relentless she about it. Yeah. Like I know I said this. Sorry, I don't know if it was on the record or off the record when mm-hmm. we were talking. But I remember uh, of, of Mike's men. men when mm-hmm. every day she would come and she would take the costumes out she was and sitting drag in them dirt through the dirt. She she must look so crazy. <laughs> what? <about> the neighbor. <laughs> uh, but they were never. That was parked out. She looked normal. She looked like she fit in. Yeah. She literally did that though one day. She was sitting in a pile of dirt outside. Yeah. No, but no, not just, one day. Every day. Yeah. She came in for about a week and she would just sit there and I would watch her and she would be holding her, like as she does, holding her hand to her face, her finger on her lip going, they're not 
dirty enough. And to anybody else's eye, they would have been perfect. Yeah, she's looking at where the dirt so, is and isn't. Yeah. So <laughs> precise about what things need to look like. And if they don't meet her standard, she'll work to make sure that they do. And yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah, she's the best. It's such a gift to work, wear her clothes. Similarly yeah. to Adam, yes. I believe yeah. she has this incredible keen eye for detail. Um, and so whereas Adam's sets are peppered with with um, Easter eggs and things to find that are that are very specific and, and tell the world of and, and describe the world of the play. Lindsay's costume designs are similar. Like even the crest on the school uniform oh, yeah. had a Latin phrase that I don't remember at the moment, but was thematically yeah. linked to mm-hmm. the world of this play. Uh, yeah, you. It, it's 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 really remarkable when you when you meet someone whose whose level of artistry rises so far beyond what you typically expect of of uh, a collaborator. Mm-hmm. And uh, she climbed she climbed a, a mountain quick because she when when we first worked with her she had never done this, and we were like, hey, we were still a young company. Are you interested in doing this? She had had definitely interest in it, but it was never something she had done. And um, she was, I think, given an opportunity in something she wanted and given a lot of freedom, and she just kept kind of going. And now she's doing a massive, massive productions in the city, and she should be because she's um, she's 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 the best because of what we're saying here. But um, it's it's even more impressive to know that she wasn't even doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, like as like long as some of these people ago. have been doing, yeah. I mean, I, 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 the older I get, the less time makes sense <laughs> to me. So I think I, I would say she's been doing it for six or seven years, but it's like she's been doing it for thirty. Yeah. She's yeah. just so she's so certain about it, and she's and what I like about Lindsay. The last thing I'll say about Lindsay is um, I like that she takes it as serious as I will take. A scene, yeah, um, and she'll fight for what she wants, which is what I like in a room. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and it's why Adam and, and I get along so well. Is that uh, no, this this is important, and this is why it's important. And you can't you can't overlook a, a detail like this. And I, that's what I love about the theater that we've done is it's it's very, very detail oriented. Everything mm-hmm. um, as a as a writer and as a producer who's worked with these guys twice this past year. It's um, uh, like unprecedented, you know. You like having someone that feels so strongly about decisions regarding the play that you have created is a fa- is an amazing gift that I don't understand. Really. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it just it feels like a real honor getting to work with with all of you, but Lindsay as well, who's not here right now. Yeah, like as someone who like hadn't worked with Lindsay before, uh, like it was really cool to because I felt like I was probably the most diva about stuff. Like I was like, mm, this is too long, or like mm, I want a backpack, don't say. or like you know, like I want these things. And like it was really actually cool for her to come back at me and be like, cool, these are the justifications why this is yeah, this yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, okay though, but like, yeah. <laughs> and then when you see it all together, you're like. Oh, this makes sense. Lindsay wins those battles like, more than loses them. Yes, yeah. you know, and which I thought was really interesting because, like, there's been some costume designers that really kind of just focus on each individual person and not necessarily look at the whole thing. Which, like, as they're saying, like Adam will look at the whole 
picture. Mm-hmm. I think like that's what was so cool about working with Lindsay was that like it wasn't just like I'm going to dress Nola. I'm going to dress. Tra-. She's like I'm making the world right now. Mm-hmm. So once I because like I'm a stickler for my own costumes. Like I've always been a really anal retentive about that. And so it was neat to kind of go like oh right like. I'm stepping in on Lindsay's whole perfect idea of what this is. But she also was like so collaborative in the sense that she was like, cool, I'll allow a backpack, but it's going to be my version of the backpack. Yeah, yeah. You know, like she's like, that's totally fine. Yeah, if you feel like you need that as an actor, like she's like, that's fine. Because the backpack was really important to me. But then she was like, it's my choice what the backpack is. And so it was like, it was great to have that because I fully agree that like any artist needs to have like a sense of voice and a sense of direction, you know, but then if you're not open to collaboration, which Lindsay very much is, Mm -hmm. then it's, you know, I like, I thought it was just, it was a really, it was the first time that I'd like been like, oh, okay, well, I don't know yet. And then when you see it, you're like, oh shit, like this is why, like this is why she's brilliant, you know? To go off of this discussion a little bit, Adam and Lindsay are known for their hyper amount of detail. Other than the the Latin phrase, what were some of your favorite little Easter eggs that they had in the design? The wall, the the blackboard. I'm just interrupting all of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. The blackboard. Uh, so the the set is a cross section of a classroom. So it's right. in the middle, and the and as far as I understand, the the um, the lesson plan was half of a completed yeah, lesson was, plan was, that compares. Fifth business, business to the apprenticeship of Doody Kravitz. And Marvin had to write that half out every yeah. Yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, I had to make sure that he wrote it so that it was like a, a letter was being cut off and not a word so much. Yeah. So that it looked. Yeah, so it didn't look like, like we were doing yeah. a cross section. So. Yeah. And then we had yeah. the books on the shelf. Which were all on, on and on every old, desk. They're all old Star, Star Trek, Trek books. books on the inside, but they were covered, and they actually. My favorite thing was people would come to the set and they pick it up, and they actually have the little the code of yeah. um, the Saint Andrews. So, like, if you went up really close, it looks so real. Like, you yeah. you t- would have taken that out of Saint Andrews Library. Mm-hmm. So then, as a as an actor, you have to invent nothing in your imagination yeah. between costume and Lindsay with her boots, the dirty boots. Like, yeah. she would make sure the boots were dirty and they had mud on yeah. them. There was every like night. blades of grass. Like, yeah. I think. Uh, glued to them because yes. narratively she's uh, Wallace's character was in a ditch with yes. her car on a rainy day and you wouldn't climb out of that without some grass yeah. on your boots so yeah. those were like yeah <laughs> <laughs> no one sees that but the actor my, my favorite thing about the set though is the Dean's and I mean they all had names they were just random well that was a fun thing I texted I texted every now and then I like to give a little task to Michael I know just he to wants keep me from task. getting neurotic yeah keep him from getting neurotic doing something it's, his way, it's a way of allowing him to check in by being engaged <laughs> like here's something it's like here's something you might have fun with I have a job for you I think he was sitting at work at the time <laughs> And I was like, I need, I want to have pictures of the deans, but I want just old, old white men. Politicians. And then he was like, so you're asking me to Google whitey. <laughs> to yes, Google whitey. Exactly what I'm asking you to <laughs> So then he gave them all to me, and I couldn't believe how quick he did this and how amazing this Google Drive was of like 30 incredible choices of, of men Portrait, some painted, some not. Like, how did you find this? He's like a Googled conservative politician. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was great though. But it you did out. invent their names. Yes, yeah. the names and the amazing. and the length of time that they were the dean and yeah. the one Jew. There was one Jewish name who was only there for like two years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they found out Rothstein or something. Yeah, like, but it wasn't second. there for much long. It yeah. was something. Was, Wasserman. Yeah. Wasserman was there. The, the other <laughs> thing, theater professors, and the other thing I want, I would give Mar- Marvin credit for is we we threw a clock in the thing. Oh yeah, yeah. which was a really subtle thing because when the silence yeah. was there, yeah. you could it hear the clock tick deafening. But after show one, which you know, like opening night is always a bit of a, a, a to do, and you're always running late because there's people who are. Somehow people still don't know theater starts at 8. <laughs> it starts at 8, just in case you're listening. But So you would start at like, one night we started, I think it was opening night, we started at like 8, 11, because people were you know, trying to figure it all out. But it was very specific, the time on, on the, the clock, because... The play happens in real time. Yeah, it, okay. the play happens in real time, and we reference it. And the first night, because we started late, it was pushing mm-hmm. too late to reference. And it was one of these things where Marvin, every night was like, if... if he would come back and tell the actors, okay, we're going to be holding for five minutes. He would check the clock and go, can that still make sense? And if not, he would have to take it off the wall and do it. And that, and so for Marvin, who's you know very neurotic about these things, he, I was like, you have my permission to never wait for anybody who's late. Uh, just, just go. I don't want you climbing up there. I'd rather them not seeing it because they're late. But he was, on, he was on top of it. It drove him nuts. And that was one thing that was a set thing that also included having a fantastic stage manager which is like one of my favorite things about the set which was like the uh, like we the only real sound effect we had was the song at the end everything else was practical and the phone and the, and the, the phone, phone, and the and phone, the phone which was also you know um, yeah. but like I love the fact that it was practical like that's the magic of theater is that it's like somehow the clock is linked up and the rain happens at the right time and you're like how is this happening like that's the magic like it's not really like not to take away from amazing sound designers because there's incredible sound designers, but like that was so cool because as a performer, you want to exist in the world for that hour. You want to. You don't want to be like, and there's the clock. You know what I mean? Like it because then it, it becomes less authentic. And I loved that it was like I would get like angry if the rain didn't go as long. You know what I mean? Like it'd be like, ah, fuck it, ran out. Damn it. You know? Because it's like, it brings you in. It, like, it welcomes you in. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that that's such a like beautiful technique of like, how can we make it practical? You know? And then it also absorbs you as an audience member into it. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of comments about that clock mm-hmm. in terms of, of the, uh, the intensifying effect of it mm-hmm. in the silences because of yeah. what's revealed throughout the play. And then when these revelations happen and you're left just with that clock ticking away. You really feel yeah. like, yeah, exactly, like, like that these people are running out of time. They are, they are individually running out of time to do what they need to do to get what they want. Well, their whole life changes in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Like, literally. It's one of the items that, like, makes it a thriller. Because <laughs> yeah. we have, like, she's supposed to be somewhere. Yeah. And where she's going is, like... Is is going to be fired? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so they're constantly like assessing it and looking at it. You don't want her to go, and so you're looking at the clock too, and yeah. it's like it just becomes this like this this yeah. threatening tick. Well, the time was almost like another partner in the in the play mm-hmm. yes. like, that you were always fighting against. So, yeah, yeah. The, the set. I remember just I, I had in my head after well, when reading the play again and again. I, I had in my head. Kind of, what does Gil look like? What does he? How does he dress? And 
what's this environment that he's walking into? Where did the, where does where did this incident happen? Where does Laura work? And both those things, um, to the credit of Adam and Lindsay, were exactly how I imagined them. Um, I guess I'm a pretty smart guy. But it just they got Trevor's memos. <laughs> they got my memos. I, I told David every night how to speak to me at rehearsal. Michael, I did the play was written, so he's he's really genius. But no, it, it was just it was just a treat being on that set every night. It was terrifying because of the subject matter of the play. In some ways, um, uh, it was emotionally exhausting. Um, but it was exciting and it was fun and it also like proves to be the engine like I think what Unit 102 is most famous for is what they're able to do for almost no money you know and well, like, not, not, I mean like <laughs> you know in, in terms of grand scale like we're not working <laughs> yeah, with yeah. can stage money here we're working you know with like you know what people are able to pull together and and I think that that's what speaks to can do stage money yeah, yeah, uh-huh. so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Coin that. Yeah. Um, but like, I think that's what's so cool is that um, again, being welcomed into this process so warmly and seeing the magic kind of happen and being like, oh, I haven't been in 102 for the last eight years, and then going like, oh, I wonder how this will all work out. Like, you know, like I've had my time with independent theater, and then just consistently being like floored, you know, with the idea of like, wow, okay, like that really came together in the last 12 hours, or like, wow, okay, like this was insane, like. So I think that it it it, uh, it speaks to the reputation of the theater. Like, say what you will, but like, what they always turn out is a professional grade production in a independent theater, you know, name. You know what I mean? Which I think is really rare in the city because you have a lot of independent stuff that's like, cool, we made a set of cardboard. Like, suspend your disbelief, and it's like, cool, great. It's fine too. It's fine too. You know, but I, I think that's what that's what. There's nothing wrong with those shows. <laughs> I've made those. Shows. I've made those. Shows. Okay. As you touched on earlier, this show has some controversial themes to it. Mm-hmm. What were some of the most interesting reactions you heard from audience members? Ooh, they, they, the, the the most interesting. Well, one of the most interesting parts of this process was that the audience, and in, in whether they were being honest with you or not. They would really back one char- character. There'd, there'd be specific, whether it be the the uh, variety of performance that happens in a given run, but but because of the setup of the play, because of how Michael is written and how it's directed um, and played, um, there was a lot. There's a lot of unanswered questions in terms of morality, in terms of reasons why, in terms of selfishness. Um, and uh, and and so people would have different reactions to characters, you know, where they'd be like, "I didn't like him very much," right? You know, or poor, poor, poor girl, or whatever. Or she's it was. horrible. Yeah, or she's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She got a lot. She got yeah. a lot of your horrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's. I mean, that that is that's that, that's the tough part of the play is that you have to reveal the bumps and warts and ugliness of all these characters. It's just in the writing. You have to go there, yeah. and you have to you have to go for what you want using whatever methods you can in the context of the play and it brings out some very interesting reactions from the audience mm-hmm. my, my favorite my favorite night because I um, I know a lot of directors like direct a piece of theater and then they, they they're there for like you know three of the 16 performances but I I think you spend all this time doing it and when you like love what you've what you do I, I go almost every night mostly because I like to sit in the back corner and 
not watch the show, but watch to see if audience is reacting in one show. I hate that. Uh, <laughs> I'm always aware of you. Uh, yeah. But I, I love I love watching people reacting and whether they, you know, um, it's Hi, Kelly. it's good. It's, yeah. <laughs> Write something good, Kelly. Exactly. Laughing, Judas Iscariot, and I was just crying the whole time. Uh, and I was like, "You he can hear me!" Oh no! <laughs> I had that experience with of mice and men. I sat next to you, and I was like, "Oh god, yeah, <laughs> it's nice." I like. I mean, but it, it you know, that's what it, you're going for. You want to. You hope somebody's reacting good all the time. Uh, but one night, you know, I, it was it was there was a, somebody sitting in front of me, and they were very vocal through the thing. But the the best moment was when you know we kind of see. The big moment, the the the, the tire iron. We've we've said everything. Uh, the tire iron comes out, and this guy all screamed. He was like, "Oh my god!" And it was like, it was, "Oh shit!" Yeah, it was. But I loved, like, I loved it. I loved it because he was so invested in what was happening, and he cared about all the characters enough that he was like. It wasn't because that thing comes out, and it's not like an immediate. There's there's this beat in this moment, and you could tell he was just like, "Please don't do it, do it, don't do it." And then there was, you know, then you, there was a lot of reactions during it where people were upset with what was happening, and those were my favorite. Like, oh, I too. loved listening to people react to it, not because they were they were reacting to violence. They were, you could tell when somebody was reacting to, like this this kid gives this beautiful monologue that he lets his heart out. And then this guy's just gonna hit him with a tire iron. It was so it was so much fun to listen to. And yet so there many were, care about the fish. And so many yeah. care about the fish, yeah. yeah. There, there were there's always there's a moment where Tyler approaches Laura as if he's about oh. to kiss her. Oh, yeah. And the audience oh, and yeah. everyone just goes, Oh, <laughs> You know, like yeah. you could see people well, squirming. Or they'd or laugh grabbing. uncomfortably. It was yeah. We it. had a lot. We, there were some performances where the play was a, like, rollicking comedy. Totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People in the audience were were laughing. That's through, just true which of doing theater. I, yeah. In the most painful spots. It was, yeah. it was absolutely yeah. nuts. We had Jerry Springer audiences. Like, we're, yeah. <laughs> like literally where some, some of the revelations come out. They're like, oh, no. No, no, no. no, no. I would be like, you know, where I had the line where I was like, I should have been there. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. Audiences that you nothing. could have dropped a pin and you would have heard, heard it. But those because so they, because people those were, are almost the best audiences because yeah. they're so invested well, and they don't want to. Yeah, and yeah. some people were so uncomfortable and people mm-hmm. definitely yeah. express their uncomfort with the story because no matter what, everyone is uncomfortable with everybody's characters mm-hmm. and then how you choose to respond is how you choose to respond. Yeah. But the show pushes people to their limits for a lot of different reasons. But. It, I don't know. Like I, like I think I said it to you before, but the reason to do theater is to create discussion. I think, and with this thing, whether you left uh, feeling uplifted, which I don't think you would have, but or <laughs> disgusted, um, it then makes you look at yourself and why are you thinking that? And I think this story really makes. Uh, people think on a lot of different levels about a lot of different issues mm-hmm. well I remember uh, like early in the process sorry no, yeah no please no I remember early in the process like Dave I mean maybe I'm like ad-libbing here but like I feel like you were like this is going to be controversial like this yeah. is going to polarize people yeah like yeah. people are going to be polarized they're going to love it they're going to hate it they're not going to know how they feel about it and I think like that was the thing like even as like I'm a person who like you know is very interested in how people are receiving the show. It doesn't affect my performance any, but I'm very interested in how people are. So I always took the time to talk to my friends afterwards and be like, "What did you think?" 
you know, um, not to fuel my own ego, but just to kind of go like, how is this reverberating with people? So that if someone does come up to me and is like, I'm uncomfortable with this content, I can facilitate that conversation and go, this is the piece that we are trying to make. I'm sorry you feel that way. Or like, let's express, like, let's excavate why you feel that way. And it was like, it was interesting, you know, because there, uh, there were times where it did verge on Jerry Springer. And I was like, what does this sociologically say about us? Mm-hmm. That, you know, if this is a female character who happens to be a predator, it's suddenly funny. Like, it's suddenly this like, oh, well, like, it's okay because she's a woman. And I'm like, but if it was Trevor preying on me as a young man, suddenly that's no, like no fly zone. Or if I happen to be a female character and Trevor was preying on me, that's a no-fly zone. But because it's a young man who's supposed to be virile and well, every young man wants to fuck his teacher, it's like it becomes this like very kind of hard area to navigate where, you know, like people in the audience are like, yeah, like maybe they're not like, get it, but like they mm-hmm. are kind of like, <laughs> you know, I can allow it. Or like, oh, wow, her life is so crazy rather than like, what is the actual situation <laughs> here? And I don't think that, like, I don't necessarily think that Michael shied away from that, and I don't think that Dave shied away from that at all, but it's really interesting to see what people are ready to receive. Because if people walked into this understanding the severity of what we're trying to talk about, I think they would have been a little bit more kind of... Uh, they would have had an idea with it. What kind exactly. Of they did. They and got bothered. Yeah. There, there were people that were bothered with the laughter. They thought it was inappropriate. They thought mm-hmm. it was, yeah. it was in, a, in a sense... Um, maybe juvenile, but I always, I always, like, the great thing about being on stage is you can use that energy. So when the laughter would come, it's because people are watching something uncomfortable. It's funny because it's tragic, and it's funny because it's true. And, and that, so that was always kind of in the back of my mind, because, you know, you're showing, you're, you're putting your heart out there, and people are, <laughs> but it is part of the process. And, you know, there was even a moment, um, when I have to ask Laura, I have to ask Nola uh, a, a question, and and there was someone in the audience in my sight line, and the, the penny drops for for my character of of what I what what I what I don't know now, and what I have to ask, and there was a woman in the audience, and I just saw her head going. It's just not. <laughs> <laughs> Say, you have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was. It's, it's guy. It is that's jar- built in there. He's it's like, jar- wait a second, jar- and you can see him realize it. And yeah. the audience is the it's, audience is often yeah. one step ahead of the characters totally. in this thing, which I think can make it can make it funny. There's mm-hmm. humor built into it, but totally. like the, how when you have that distance from this really high stakes, really emotional situation. How you choose to react um, is uh, is like wildly it different is, yes. night to night uh, and all justifiable. And I yeah. think it's because, I think it has to do with that, that one, you kind of follow one character or you decide you want to, you're on this, this character's side mm-hmm. and then you're, you're, uh, opinions of them are challenged throughout, That's right. and you never really know. Uh, I, I think it has a lot to do with empathy and how mm. would I react? Because everyone is presented as a pretty okay person, or and then that is subverted, and then people we people with bad in a really bad situation. Mm-hmm. The intention yeah. people who did well, good or bad, they're neither good nor bad, yeah. but they've they've all made really big mistakes. Yeah, but there's a humanity uh, to them. 
Mm-hmm. So it's that thing where it's that, it's that challenging thing where I would say the best shows are people that leave not knowing whose side they were mm-hmm. on because everyone's humanity was shown and you can kind of understand everyone's side of the story and then which then creates a debate in yourself and then you start looking at mm-hmm. your own morality because everyone has done horrible things so no matter whose side you're on yes. it's not good like you're not on a good side yeah well uh, to build on what like you were saying about conversation which i think is really important and mm-hmm. i think what this show was really successful at so like i remember going out with you one night and being like you know what was the impetus for writing this which you had explained you know was this kind of like i saw it in a news report and i wanted to dramatize it and i remember going like oh wow like okay great like Michael just wanted to start a conversation. I don't think, I mean, I won't speak for you, but, like, I don't think he was out to, as Dave said, like, chain, like make a political statement. I think what he wanted to do is instigate a conversation. Now, whether, you know, we were all the best people to, like, have that conversation with everyone who is, like, very deep in the political trenches of, like, you know, like, you know, teacher-student relationships, maybe not. But at the same time, I think what it did do is for the general public who maybe had never seen theater or had never even entertained this idea, it opened up a conversation for them. So I think, like, uh, and I mean, I think, again, Dave facilitated this really well. Well, Dave never shied away from that in rehearsal. We, as performers, were always able to talk about that. And then I think as, like, artists moving forward, how do we then facilitate that outside of the room, like we're doing now? You know, so that if people do expose insecurities or polarization around this kind of work, how do we then have that conversation with them and go, this was actually the intention of Michael's work, which was start a conversation rather than answer questions. Because mm-hmm. I don't think the point of this project was to answer why this woman would do this. It was... Mm-hmm. Well, that's the beauty of having it in real time, exactly. right? Is you're watching the unfolding of something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there isn't enough time in, in someone's real life unless you're writing probably unrealistic dialogue to really fulfill all of the answers to all of the questions that this brings up. Mm-hmm. So when you're playing in that, you know, however long, 60 whatever minutes that it was, um, how do you tell enough of a story to, again, create a dialogue about mm-hmm. it? Uh, the, the clock, again, being so present in the, in the script and on the stage... You know, you can't. It's not a script that delves into that. It's it, it offers so much to then to then leave and think about. Well, and Laura's. I mean, you can like you can totally weigh on this, Noah. But like, I feel like Laura's motivations were so difficult to pin down. Like, you know, like it was hard. Like, I feel like our characters were like, at least from my perspective, were a little bit more cut and dry. Obviously, they were complex. Obviously, they had heart. Obviously, but like. You know, but I found like even just reading Laura is so difficult. Like you're like this woman is between so much right mm-hmm. now. Like how do you even get into explaining how she's thinking or operating? Yeah, and I guess taking on a character like this as it was someone that was stuck in the sixty minutes, mm-hmm. and how do you problem solve? For yeah. me, it was it was a woman, an incredibly intelligent woman that was stuck in a really hard situation dealing with really challenging people in a room and how do you just have her stand up for herself mm-hmm. and I think um, and dealing with her sexuality and how that you know like. yeah yeah um, but f- yeah, so for me the motivations or something that you know they I had to take outside of the the 60 minutes of work that it yeah, was there yeah. and fill that in for myself and then Maybe I didn't feel like I needed to speak for women, but I did need to speak for this woman. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was very important for her to be a woman that was fighting for herself mm-hmm. and not being victimized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, 
that's that's how I approached that. Like all the backstory was there for me, and then at, but at the end of the day, working with two men that were so selfish, how does she fight for herself in yeah. that situation? And that's what I thought was important for her story was not to be someone that was railroaded by two insane men. <laughs> yeah, and then there were the characters. I mean, <laughs> like don't even get in, get me into those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mansplaining. Yeah. <laughs> Staying yeah. out of the process for yeah. as much as you did, when was there anything about the end pro the end product that really surprised you from what you had envisioned when you were initially writing it? Um, I think uh, this production, the humor, did surprise me, um, and I think it was uh, it was negotiated in the rehearsal process and was kind of it, and while it is built into the script, I think. I had seen a production that was um, very emotionally intense where the um, those moments of humor were a bit uh, <laughs> more nihilistic. <laughs> um, and in this production, we were given the space to laugh um, and to and to really just just revel in what uh, what a difficult, insane situation. Uh, these folks are in uh, so that surprised me um, really I was just like a kid in a candy store though I, you you know you hope a panicked child in a candy a store a panicked child <laughs> if you ever yeah. see him at a show that he's written he's a candy store where you're like you can choose two things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it you want them both so bad that's Michael that's like Michael like, watching his own work Unbelievable, uh, but really, it is. It, I, yes, so I'm a nervous individual, um, <laughs> and with this piece in particular, like this, this play does scare me. It does. Um, uh, sharing it is is a is a frightening thing, and and um, uh, you just I I hope you know I I would imagine that every playwright dreams that something that they write gets a production as strong and as aligned with their own vision of what it should be um, as I did with this production. So I, I was thrilled. Hmm. So this next question was meant to be for everyone, but we've, talking, we've been running really long, so I'm just going to ask David because he hasn't talked in a while. Which <laughs> is unusual. I usually yeah. dominate the room. So what, what were you hoping audiences would take away from the production? Huh. Um, good question. Uh I didn't really want to set them up to take away anything particular. I think um, one of the things I liked about this and most things is that I think there might be an epidemic in theater right now, um, which is why I think I'm attracted to things from like maybe the 60s, 70s, 80s. There's, there's, there's always going to be a political movement to your theater, but uh, I don't like the idea of telling people as a director what they're supposed to feel, when they're supposed to feel it. I, you definitely have moments where I'm like, look... Let the audience have this moment. This is for them, and I, it is for them. But I don't like uh, hitting them over the head or, or telling them what I, I want them to think. Um, so when I took this, I just I, I read it and I went, "Oh, this is a, this is great because I could either." It reminded me a little bit of like Oleano or Blackbird, a show like that, where I was like, "Well, we could we could do this two ways. I can say what I think, or we can just collectively have a conversation about it." which is how I wanted to approach it, which was each individual character got um, to fight for it. 
So how do you win every night as as the character? What what do you want? I mean, I I knew how I felt about the work um, on a maybe a political level, but I tried to never bring that into the room, um, other than to say, hey, what about this? Maybe so and so would feel this way uh, about the situation. Um, and and then the only thing I did is I, I because I do like to think about uh, when I'm directing something especially a piece of theater, not just a piece of theater, film, anything, is I think often we forget that it's for an audience. It's not for us. It's for us. It's why we do it. But it's, it's more important that they are taking something from it. Otherwise, it goes un- unnoticed. Your work goes unnoticed if nobody wants to watch it. Um, so always kind of letting, di- directing this piece so that everybody who watched it could just take their own opinion away. They didn't, I didn't want them to see what I thought about it. Mm. And I think... I, I got that through. I'm sure there were moments that actors had to steer away me away from certain things because of that. But I'm, I think it's the strongest work. This this being a strong piece of work, um, but the strongest work. This things I'm most attracted to when I see. Um, let the audience leave deciding. You don't hear too much of the playwright's voice or or opinion or the director's opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not their job to give the opinion. Um, it's their job to to let the audience discover it because otherwise, why the hell are you watching something uh, if not to find your own opinion on it? <laughs> yeah. So I approached it in that, that. That was the approach. When Michael gave it to me, I was like, ooh, this could go one way or the other, but I want to just see, I want to let the audience pick their way and I won't be upset if they choose the way I don't think it is because there's no right or wrong answer, I guess. Okay, so I'm going to give you all a chance to say some final words on Miss in a second. But before we get to that, can you all go around, same order as last time, and tell us what you're working on now or next, plug your social media, plug whatever you want. You first. Um, sorry, what was all the things? I'm just saying, um, <laughs> what's, next? Final what's, words? Next? what's next? What's next? Um, final words are later. So social media, what's now, what's next, whatever plugs you want to do. Okay, I don't know what plugs I want to do. Um, I am going to direct a play in the fall with Unit 102, but I'm not prepared to say yes. what it is. Um, yeah. So I'm not saying what's next. <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> Great promo, Adam. Yeah. I am doing a play with Adam in the yeah. fall. <laughs> Regardless. Very excited about it. Regardless of casting constraints. Uh, very open to the possibilities. I'm announcing it now, so we have to do it. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um... I am doing Triple Bypass's uh, production of Neil LeBute's Break of Noon, which is going to be another real thinker, dark piece. So come to that uh, at the Assembly Theater. Okay. When's that uh, happening? In March. Ooh. I think our tech day is the 12th. I don't know what day People don't care open. about your tech day. They care about your opening <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You all want to show up, but we're hanging know. the lights. I don't know. I don't know what, what type of previews we're doing. Close to the like equinox. Um, so I'm, I'm doing that. We're in rehearsals. It's a great cast, and it's a lot of fun. Um, oh, and my social media is at Nola Jean Martin if you want to see lots of pictures of my cats. And tops of trees, because I like trees and cats. <laughs> About it. Watch those followers come in. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Continue the trend. Yeah, oh God. Um, I'm waiting. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to, like, follow what I'm doing, you can go to my website, waymeburns.ca. Uh, my next performance, you can see me live, is I'm performing at the Rhubarb Festival as part of the Black Cabaret. I'm doing a... A story that happened to me where I was an escort for an evening, and then I'm making a video installation to play behind it. 
Um, in terms of like normal work, uh, I have a gig coming up this summer where I'm going to be going back to Nova Scotia. It's also down low, but that'll come out soon. Um, and then uh, my um, uh, conversation series is launching back on March 21st. It's called Dark Nights, which we've been running for the last two years and we're supported by the Ontario Arts Council. Yeah. That's also close mm-hmm. to the equinox. <laughs> <laughs> In March. On the, uh, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> what? I think that's um, when we're doing it. It's on yeah, the equinox. On the equinox, yeah, yeah it's around the there. Equinox. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm teaching right now. Uh, I'm teaching new play development at the University of Waterloo, and I have a new play uh, uh, in 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 the Fringe Ooh. in Toronto. The the draft is it's written. It's very good. Thank you. Uh, Dave's going to work on it as well again. Uh, right now it's called Anywhere, and uh, that's what's happening next. <laughs> I feel like I was being asked, although I've been asked already. Uh, I just keep thinking, everything's like, a question are you mark sure you like it? Yeah, no, it's, I've said yes. Do you really want to do uh, this? Uh, yeah, <laughs> David... Um, uh, I'll well, as I said, I'll be directing uh, Michael's show at the Fringe Festival. Um, uh, actually, Adam and I are um, uh, going to work together. I'm going to help pr- uh, produce the show, but we're also uh, Adam and I have been discussing a film we wanted to write for years. Uh, and actually, I have a film that I wrote that is going to camera in three weeks with a production company. Amazing. I don't want to say too much about that, but yeah. Uh, and then the the big thing is actually I'm running classes now, um, which is something I've wanted to do for a long time, and it's through the 102 Actors Lab, which is something we've now created. Um, and I'm really enjoying it and excited about some, it, continuing it. It's nice to do work, always be in the work that you're wanting to do. So, um, yeah, lots of nice little fun things happening. But uh, big, big exciting thing will be um, Michael's show and, and, uh, and then Adam's show in the fall, which is going to be a treat to watch him direct. Okay. Does anybody have anything they'd like to add about Miss or about anything? It's going to be Japanese or something? Yeah, what was that? What's this Japanese thing? Oh, yeah. Something, something. So, yeah, misses on um, uh, Yoshi. uh, Speak faster. Oh, he's on together. Also, yeah, this guy, Yoshihara, has a list of, he works on, he translates Canadian plays into Japanese, and thanks to a lot of the legwork that Trevor has, has, has done, uh, nice. it is on his list of plays that oh, he's nice. going to translate Amazing. into Japanese. Yeah, I read an article in Now Magazine that featured him and the work that he had done. He's received the Order of Canada, and um, uh, they talked about the plays that he had translated, um, some of which had played at his um, Maple Leaf Theater uh, in Tokyo. Um, but he also translates plays for other theater companies over in Japan as well. And they were, um, like, they were like George F. Walker, uh, Judith Thompson, and the like of those. And I thought Miss would just be a great addition. So I reached out to him. And cool. We're hoping. He's a very busy man, and he's got a lot of uh, plays on his docket. But he did, he loved the writing. And um, we're hoping that happens sooner or later. 
Sweet. Nice. Yeah, maybe one of these days. One of these days. <laughs> I know he's going. Yeah, so he has a long list of th- of projects that he's in the process of translating, uh, and then. But do you think it'll be published in Canada? I have no idea, Wayne. Ooh. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's going to be translated into Japanese, and we okay. live long. First thing. So. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was a great, fun production, though. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be in the room with everybody again, minus Lindsay. I wish she was here, but... Yeah. Uh, and Marvin. Uh, that's what I want to say at the end. Once again, I'll repeat that Marvin is the greatest stage manager. Stage managers often don't get the credit due, and he is literally yeah. the best, not just person, but he's... We just did a show with him, and I, as an actor, I hadn't acted in four years, and having him come back every night and make me feel like the world was okay <laughs> when it was all in my stomach... Uh, he deserves as much credit as anybody in this room. Entirely. The time yeah. has come. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he would utter every time he'd come backstage. The time, time has, come. has come. And then we'd st- we, everybody would start peeing their pants. <laughs> Nervous anticipation. So it was a thing that we, we always embraced and also dreaded at the same time. It's very interesting, right? Yeah. I like just hanging in the room with the three of us going to go on stage and do this play, yeah. which was... I also just loved not being the first like 15 to 20 minutes. So I could just be like, bye! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wayne would always give me a wave. He'd be like, see you later. Or like, I, and then he'd like grab a pillow or something and uh, <laughs> no, run to the washroom. <laughs> I would. I took so many poops. Okay. All right. All right.